part two, room to maneuver. Um, overload comes to our lives when we have too much activity, too much change, too many choices, too much work, too much debt, too much media exposure. Am I talking anybody's language already this morning? Like anybody ever felt that weight of overload before? I, I have felt that. And um, I think that we all feel that to some degree on a regular basis. We're stressed by the pace of life. And so there's a solution, and the solution is, is margin. Look at with me at Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Here's what I believe about every person who's given their heart and life to Christ. You want to do this verse. I want to do this verse. I want to seek God first. But I don't know how often, and sometimes even greater than that, is I don't have enough room of space created in my life to seek him first. Let me just break it down, and today isn't about finances, but it's an easy one to see. I've had this experience nearly 20 years of interacting with people. I wanna put God first in my finances, but I've said yes to 360 easy payments or 36 easy payments already, and so you can't, we can't do this because we don't have any margin. We don't have any space. And so I believe that the believer's heart is really wanting to seek God's kingdom first, but there's no room to do it. I wanna to read to you a passage um, from a book called Margin, written by a man named Dr. Richard Swenson. And here's what he said. Margin is something held in reserve for contingencies or unanticipated situations. Margin is the gap between rest and exhaustion, the space between breathing freely and suffocating. Margin is the opposite of overload. If we are overloaded, we have no margin. Talk back to me for just a moment. How many of you have ever experienced the feeling of overload? Um, how many of you have experienced overload in the last 48 hours, right? He goes on and this is what he says. Margin is, uh, most people are not quite sure when they pass from margin to overload. The threshold points are not easily measurable and are also different for different people in different circumstances. We don't want to be underachievers, heaven forbid, so we fill our schedules uncritically. Options are as attractive as they are numerous, and we overbook. He goes on and he says this. If we were equipped with a flashing light to indicate 100% full, we could better gauge our capacities. But we don't have such an indicator light, and we don't know when we have overextended until we feel the pain. As a result, many people commit to a 120% life and wonder why the burden feels so heavy. It's rare to see a life pre-scheduled to only 80%, leaving a margin for responding to the unexpected ways that God sends our way. The 120% is hurting us. It's killing us. It's keeping us 
from seeking God's kingdom first, and we have to remedy it. And that is the point of this entire series. Now, um, it, it seems like maybe you might be tempted to say, oh, I'm not going at 120% capacity. But if you were to pause and really ask yourself, how much downtime do you have? How much time to sit and think do you have? How hard are you running? I think that the vast majority of people in this room, online, and all over this blue marbled planet are much closer to the 120% capacity than we are the 80. Okay. So it's gonna get a little bit quiet. I can see that. I'll rattle the cage a little bit. If you were operating at 80%, we would have no deficiencies in our serving teams at More Life Church. I'm gonna get real plain today, all right? Because we got to see this. If, if, if we're constantly saying, I don't have time for this thing that in our heart we want to do, then what is occupying the space? The space that's being occupied is this extra 40% that we're stacking on our lives and we're being forced to say no to the things that we want to say yes to and we're saying yes to the things we really wanna say no to. Look at Leviticus with me, if you would. We looked at this last week, and just briefly, this biblical principle. On that same day, you are able to proclaim a sacred assembly and do no regular work. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come, wherever you live. So this is, this is for forever, and this is the analogy or metaphor that he gives. He's talking to an agricultural group of people, and here's what he says. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner residing among you. I am the Lord your God. And so here's what he's saying. Don't, don't reap all the way to the edges. Don't, don't go from line to line. Leave a space on the outer edge where there's stuff, leave a margin, leave room. Don't schedule back to back to back to back. Some of you schedule your sleep to the point where you're exhausted because you're not getting enough sleep because you're doing too many things. So I don't wanna get ahead of myself, but let me tell you once again what margin is and then we're gonna have a little bit of fun. I'm gonna have fun, I don't know if you are, I'm gonna have a blast. The amount available beyond what is necessary is what margin is. It's the space between your capacity and your limit. And last week I said to you, there are six areas of margin for you to consider. Emotional, financial, relational, spiritual, physical, and time. And last week we looked at time. This week we're gonna look at emotional and spiritual a little bit together, but I'm gonna mainly talk to you about emotional margin and when when this is important, if you weren't with us or you didn't write it down or you've forgotten or you heard me, you, we need to hear it again. When margin is low, stress is going to be high. When you don't have any room to maneuver, when you have no space in your life, your stress is gonna go through the roof. So the point of this entire series is to help you with that. And why? Just so that you can have a better life? Well, that's okay. But really the point is to free us up as Leviticus showed us, so that the margins of our lives can be given to others. Because that's how our life is supposed to be invested. So when we have, 
Why do we have low emotional margin? The first thought is this, we're emotionally exhausted. What's emotional exhaustion? It's when you care too much for too long for people who don't care. I will say it again, but I'm gonna change it. Emotional exhaustion is caring too much for too long for people who don't freaking care. That, that's, let me ask you a question. How do you exhaust an emotion? How do you exhaust it? How do you fatigue an emotion? Well, the first thing you have to understand is this, that this will help you to create margin, it'll help you grow spiritually, it'll help you be freer in your life, okay? Um, let me, I, need to, I need to say this because someone watching online is thinking this isn't very spiritual. And some of you are gonna, some of you who've been in Christ the longest are gonna have the hardest time with this message because you think it isn't spiritual, but I'm after those who have ears to hear. And those who have ears to hear will know exactly what's happening because your emotional life will drag you down spiritually. If you're depressed in your emotions, you will not be up in your spirit man. If you're dragging in your spiritual life, your emotions, well, let me say it to you this way. Emotions are data. They're information being sent to you. Emotions aren't your feelings. Emotion is information that your soul is giving back to you, and emotions don't turn into feelings, watch this, until you assign a meaning to that emotion that you're experiencing. Think about it this way. You're a parent and your children act up. Anybody's children's ever misbehaved? <laughs> when they misbehave after you've told them, an emotion comes. But it doesn't become a feeling until you attach a meaning to it, and this is one way you can attach a, a, a meaning to it. Your kids act up and you say inside of yourself, they're doing this on purpose to make me mad. They're trying to get under my skin. They are rebelling against what I have told them to do. What have you done? You've just assigned a meaning to the emotion and then the emotion turns into a feeling of anger or rage or something not positive. You understand that, right? Think, think, about, think, about, um, think about a married person. A married person is wanting to um, go to dinner. This has never happened, but some of you are gonna try to decide where you go to lunch, and you're gonna ask your spouse, where do you wanna go to lunch today? And they're gonna say, I don't know, where do you wanna go? And then you're gonna say the same thing back. You all know this story, you've been to this seminar before, right? So that's gonna go back and forth, and enough times, you're gonna, that there's, there's something that's gonna happen to you. Um, if you're anything like me, you get tired of hearing, I don't know, what do you want? And so you attach a meaning to it. They're doing this on purpose just to take me off, right? Once you attach a meaning to it, then it becomes a feeling. I decided to resolve that. Can I tell you how I resolved the I don't know situation? In my household, I just determined, and if you ask me, if you were to ask me where to go to lunch and we were to go to lunch, and, and here's, my, here's my method with my family. If we go out to lunch or dinner together, 
We're going to one restaurant, no matter what day of the week it is, no matter what time of the day it is. Josh is driving you to Puerto Vallarta. <laughs> Unless you tell me someplace different to go on the way there. It's not that I necessarily love Puerto Vallarta. I just hate arguing and trying to figure it out and wasting time. So I just, this is where we go. And if the, if the room or the, or the car gets consensus, just tell me where to turn. I'll go wherever. I'll eat anything. I solved it. That might have been worth you coming to church today, although that isn't very spiritual. How do you, how do you exhaust an emotion? Write this down if you're taking notes. You let it live beyond its shelf life. You were not created to eternally endure a singular emotion. Let me uh, illustrate it this way. My wife and I were on our way to North Carolina a, a couple of weeks ago, and we went down 77. We were on the West Virginia Turnpike, and um, if you've been on the West Virginia Turnpike, you know there are two tunnels. We were talking to some of our friends on the way, and they said they do this thing where they hold their breath at the beginning of the tunnel <laughs> all the way to the end. Like, we're gonna try this. That sucker's like a mile and a half long, ladies and gentlemen. Like, this is not the physique of, a, of an Olympic athlete. I do not, like, 15 seconds in, I'm lying, saying I'm not breathing or holding my breath, and I'm, I'm breathing through my, you know what I'm saying? Like, like I'm, I'm like suffocating on the way through. My, my aunt and uncle used to do this in a little town called Bellevue, and it was a tunnel, but it was about um, 100 feet long underneath a railroad track. I could do that. The West Virginia Tunnel, holding your breath, that's how you exhaust an emotion. You, you hold on to it longer than it's meant to live. And if you hold on to it longer than it's meant to live, you're gonna suffocate emotionally. You understand what I'm saying? That's how you exhaust it. Let me say it to you this way. Some of y'all are so angry, you've been holding on to anger for decades and you're emotionally exhausted. It's eating you alive. Let go of it. Breathe out. Get out of the habit of holding on to that for that long. I mean, I know there are people, you wake up angry. You wake up and you're, you're angry at the scrambled eggs and bacon. <laughs> like, let it go already. You're exhausted emotionally. And some of it comes from this. Um, let me show you some symptoms, because I, I, have to, I, have to, I have to move on. Some symptoms of emotional exhaustion. Lack of motivation, trouble sleeping, irritability, physical fatigue, feelings of hopelessness, absent-mindedness, apathy, headaches, change in appetite, nervousness, difficulty concentrating, irrational anger, increased cynicism or pessimism, sense of dread, depression. Somebody's like, I got them all. <laughs> I got, I got it. Then you're emotionally exhausted. If you just ticked like all 40 of those, you need to go to churches that heal during Connect. And listen, listen, this isn't only something that you need prayer for. You need tools to go along with that prayer. Why do I say that? Because notice we don't see any record of David praying before he went to meet Goliath, he just went with his tool and slayed that giant. Sometimes you just got to go and do something and go to action, right? So this is what, it, if you're experiencing these, you might be exhausted emotionally. Um, and you might have low 
uh, emotional margin. Another symptom of low emotional margin is decreased sense of accomplishment. If you find yourself asking this question, what's the point? What's the point of this? You're constantly wanting a new career. What's the point? I'm not making a difference, so on and so forth. You might be experiencing low emotional margin. Another fancy word is depersonalization, which is just simply an expression of lack of empathy. <laughs> if you've just stopped empathizing with humanity, you're probably exhausted emotionally. What's lack of empathy? Um, how do I say it in a church way? I can't tell the truth completely the way it's in my brain right now. Uh, you just, you, you just, you would, you've just lost patience. You, you're, you're just, you're, you're saying, I'm, you're just telling them too much, giving them too much, and there's, there's no emotional intelligence. There's no, there's no sensitivity anymore. It's just, this is me, and this is what I'm going to say, and if you don't like it, there's the door. You know, you just, you just over and over have lack of empathy. We need to have empathy in our lives. And if it's gone and you used to empathize with people, be able to share in their struggles and sorrows, and that's gone, you're going to have a very hard time reaching people for Christ because empathy is a key component into living out the kingdom gospel lifestyle. It, it, it just is. So how do we create this room to maneuver in our emotions? Are you all doing okay? Okay. Okay. Um, the first step in reducing emotional depletion and lack of emotional margin is reduce the drain on your emotional resources. It means recognizing the circumstances, the situations, the tasks. Listen to me, because some of you, some of y'all, some of us believers are gonna freak out when I say this. Some of the relationships that are draining you. I've, I've done this a long time and I always get pushback on this idea of people saying, well, you just can't cut people off. I'm not talking about cutting people off. I'm talking about you not letting people drain you emotionally and spiritually. It is not your assignment to let people just drain you emotionally. Jesus is not expecting that of you. Okay, I'll say it this way. There are givers and there are takers. And when people take more than they give, it's gonna, re it's gonna resu result in emotional draining. I know some of you need a Bible verse because that's important. Let me show you. This is gonna shock you, I think. John 2, 24. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them for he knew all about people. There were just some people Jesus wouldn't give himself to. He wouldn't let them drain him. Um, like, don't do drama. Do you, know that, do you know that you can unsubscribe from other people's drama? They won't like you when you do it because drama loves company. But you can unsubscribe from it. I was going into a meeting a few weeks ago and I had an incredible, revolutionary thought it seemed like it was going to be a challenging meeting and I felt like I had some challenging things to say. And just inside, thank God for the Holy Ghost, just inside of my heart, I didn't hear a voice, I just had this thought. Hey, this doesn't have to be dramatic, so don't be dramatic. 
Don't let that get by you. Because some of you are gonna have some things that you build up in your emotions, then you attach a meaning to it. Oh, this is gonna be dramatic. And then you go in, guns a-blazing, shooting with both barrels, and then it becomes this big, huge thing where it's like, no, 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 just decide don't do drama. So I've been recently studying um, some Roman philosophers, some Stoics, and um, Epictetus said this. He talked about that he describes that when cities fall, they fall one of two ways. And this is the same for you emotionally and spiritually. They fall one of two ways. Attacks from the outside or attacks from the inside. What does that mean, attacks from the inside? Betrayal. Someone being a traitor and opening the drawbridge and letting the enemy in through the secret passage. I want to submit to you that many believers are losing the battle of the inner citadel, is what he called it, because you're letting the enemy in from the inside out. You're defeating you by not protecting that inner citadel. Let me give you an example of that. Um, the reason we've done that is you can write this down, um, if you would, please, if you, if you think it would be helpful. Um, please stop making optional things mandatory. That's one way you can protect your inner citadel. Let me give you an example. Um, several months ago, I was in Chicago and I was with a group of people and we were in um, an individual's home and um, I, I had an interaction with, with uh, an individual there that it wasn't very pleasant. And they, they kind of came at me and I didn't understand why and I said, hey, you're, like, you're going beyond the depth of our relationship here with this conversation. You ever had anybody try to go further with you than they really should be going with you? And I just said, hey, no, no, this is getting a little too intense. Can I just help you with something? If I'm saying it's too intense, <laughs> it's too intense. I'm like, this is too intense, man. I said, let's change, let's change the subject. He wouldn't. He kept going. I said, listen, I don't know you, but here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna get up from the table and I'm gonna go in the other room because I don't wanna talk to you about this anymore. He followed me, y'all. <laughs> I was so proud of myself because he went at me again and old Josh, old Josh, the old version of Josh would have turned that room up Upside down, chewed him up and spit him out and not cared. I'd have broken chairs and tables and everything emotionally. I've watched me do it. I can be an intense individual. But I was like, I'm not, I'm protecting my inner citadel. I'm like, um, we're done. I'm going to my room. And if you follow me there, then we got real problems. So here's what I did. A thought came to me. What a wonderful thought to protect my emotional health, to create emotional margin. Here was the thought. I don't have to be here. Like, this is optional. No one's holding me here at gunpoint. I don't, are you hearing what I'm saying right now or not? Like, this was, this was an option. I didn't have to be here. Someone says, well, you were clear. You were in Chicago, and you were bound to a plane, and I don't care. I got a phone. I got a credit card. And my emotional health is much more important to me than having money. 
ended up, it didn't cost me any money. I had a free transfer. All it cost me was an Uber, which I was gonna have to take an Uber to the airport anyway. Someone says, what'd you do? I left right then, packed up my gear and went and came home. Because here was the thought, this is optional. This is not mandatory. I don't need to live in an environment of emotional toxicity. I can go home and hug my wife and see my kids. I can lay in the middle of my front yard if I want to. I can do whatever I want. I don't have to do this. Right? Discontent, disappointment, discouragement, and distraction are all a part of this. Jesus wouldn't entrust himself. Let me give you this, this next one because I gotta move. Learn to conserve Emotional energy. I said that and I want to say this. This is what's going to mess with you if you let it. Everyone doesn't deserve all of your emotions. You don't owe them that. Oh, we're, we're, but we're Christians and we're supposed to be loving. And You've confused being a Christ follower with a doormat emotionally. The next step is learning to conserve emotional energy. Everyone, so here was a little example of that for me. I found years ago that I would come home and I would be emotionally exhausted. My job isn't necessarily or normally physically exhausting, but what I do can be mentally and emotionally and spiritually exhausting, which, is, which then affects you physically. And so I would be on the phone and I would have conversations with people and, and it was great and it was fine, but I would get excited about something and I, I would talk with people and have meetings. And what I realized was, um, this is before Angie was here helping on the team and um, I would get home and I'd have nothing left for her. I'd get home and I'd just be gone. I mean, lights are on, cliche, but nobody's home. No emotional energy left. I was physically present, but every other part of me was gone. And she'd say the question that I knew was coming, how was your day? Fine. And I'm going to understand that that's not enough to give your spouse on a regular basis. Your spouse deserves a lot of who you are. And so I had to come up with a solution. I'm passing that on to you because I had to learn to conserve. And so I, there for, there for a while, and even still, if something it wasn't happening every day, but I will regularly hold something in reserve that I do not tell anyone until I tell my wife. So that when I get home, she says, how was your day? I'll say, it was awesome. And I gotta tell you this because I've been waiting all day and busting at the seams to tell you. And then what does she do? She gets healthy emotional me. Look at this verse of scripture in Proverbs chapter four. I'm gonna finish with this. Daniel, you can come and help me. Above all else, guard your heart for everything. Everybody say everything. Everything you do flows from it. That part of your being needs to be guarded and protected. That's your job. That's our individual assignments. The third thing that I wanna present to you as a final thought in, in, in creating room emotionally is regularly replenish. Do the thing that does your soul some good. Um, I've been saying this regularly and, and, I, and I don't want to be a broken record. I, I could come up with something different, but I think this one's catching on. How frank can I be with you all today? Very frank? Very frank? 
This is gonna be a weird thing to hear. But for some of you, your children are your biggest problem in replenishing your energy. Because you're not managing them and leading them, you're letting them lead you. Grandparents, listen to me. Parents, listen to me. You're knowing this experientially. Your kids will flat wear you out. And listen, I understand that what I'm saying right now is, I know it's not popular. I know it's, it's gonna be met with resistance. But if, I just felt the whole room just like, Ugh! People in these United States for far too long, they actually think they're doing their children a service and they're doing them a disservice because they're letting them do whatever it is that they want to do and it's causing you emotional harm. But you think because the kids enjoy it, you're supposed to enjoy it too, but you're hating every minute of it and you're feeling terrible about thinking that or even saying that out loud because of shame and guilt and whatever. Listen to me, because, I, because I'm young, you forget that my youngest child is 20 years old. I'm not guessing on this. I know what I'm talking about on this. And what you want to have happen is when your youngest child is out of high school, them come to you like happened to us and start listing all the things that you did intentionally that they didn't appreciate then, but they appreciate now. And if you are not doing this and letting them run you ragged, you're not serving your kids in a godly way. It's hurting them. I just love you enough to tell you the truth about it. Like, what does that mean? Manage it. Put some boundaries up. Put some guardrails up. I know what I'm about to say is extremely unpopular. And, and, and I know you think I'm saying this because of what I do, but this was a rule before I was doing what I'm doing. Sundays were off limits for us, for kids sports. And, right, and I'm not mad about this, but right here, right now, as I'm speaking, people are either playing or getting ready to play a football game all over this county. And that isn't necessarily a problem. Here's the problem. The parents are getting bitter over it because it's costing them money and energy. They're not able to do the things that they really think that they ought to be doing, and they can't do this. And it's causing them emotional lack of margin. 